You can join the fight to defend employee-funded and association PACs by texting NABPAC to 52886. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast. The show is brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. And I'm your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Adam Belmar. Who is joined by his loyal canine colleague for this live taping of the number one PAC podcast in America. That is true. And we here at the Facts About PACs podcast do record our shows live and occasionally in front of a friendly studio audience. I love that you just said studio audience, Michaela, because I feel like that is what I have been this past week. A captive studio audience for American foreign policy on the world stage. Now, I have to admit for everybody who's listening to this podcast, I'm a sucker. President Biden's trip across Europe and participation in the G7 and the NATO summits have been captivating to me. I am a former White House staffer and a former producer at ABC News. And of course, the PS de resistance, the bilateral summit with Russian President Putin. I was kind of in news heaven this week, Michaela. I'm sure you were, Adam, and still right here on Capitol Hill, things are heating back up as we head into what some are calling infrastructure summer. The House came back into session this week, and the push toward a vote in the Senate this month of June on H.R. and S-1, the For the People Act, marches on, Adam. A decidedly uphill battle right now, I think. But we will continue to keep our NAPAC membership up to date on the fate of that and other proposed legislation. Hey, Michaela, we have a really excellent and super seasoned PAC pro on the show with us today. Trey Hawkins, Deputy Chief Advocacy Officer for Political Action at Credit Union National Association, is beaming into the show. That's right, Adam. And CUNA has one of the most dynamic and active political programs around. Trey has served on the board of directors at NAPAC, and I know our listeners are going to be interested to hear the details of how QLAC, the PAC of the Credit Union National Association, is approaching the new cycle. And I think we will all get a chance to better understand the remarkable reach of credit unions across our country. CUNA has over 120 million members, Michaela, and Trey Hawkins has been a leader in the CUNA political operation for 16 years now. They are a powerful force for the industry. Adam, it's hard to believe anyone could have 120 million members. That is incredible. So with that and no further delay... The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap the week's NAPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. And today's episode is brought to you by Access Marketing Services. From design to podcasts, from infographics to digital, work with the team that leading PACs and government affairs programs call when they need results, Access Marketing Services. Thanks so much, Adam, and thanks Access Marketing for sponsoring today's episode. And joining us now is the Deputy Chief Advocacy Officer for Political Action at the Credit Union National Association, Trey Hawkins. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today, Trey. Well, thanks, Michaela and Adam, so much for having me. I'm a big fan of NABPAC, longtime member, and a fan of the podcast. So this is pretty exciting for me. It's awesome. Well, we've got so much we can talk about, Trey, but right out of the gate, I want you to help all of our listeners by explaining what makes credit unions special and different in our financial system. 
I love answering this question, Michaela. So thank you. Credit unions are not-for-profit financial cooperatives. They are member-owned and locally controlled. And what that means is even though we're in the financial services business and credit unions offer all the same services that you would get at other financial institutions, you know, checking, savings, home loans, car loans, even business loans. But the critical difference is that if you're a user of a credit union, you're an owner of the credit union. And as a cooperative, the credit union's mission is not to just make a profit off of its customers, but rather provide the best services for its member owners. So they've got a mission nationwide of enhancing the financial well-being of their consumer member owners and advancing the local communities that they're in. Now, I think I've heard this twice so far in this podcast, so I've got to clarify, at least on behalf of all the PAC managers out there who are listening in the audience, Trey, how many people are in your solicitable class at QLAC? <laughs> well, theoretically, potentially, there's over 120 million Americans who belong to a credit union. So like many of your listeners, we have to deal with prior approval, of course, uh, and don't ultimately have access to all of them. But potentially, at least the members of every credit union are potentially solicitable for our PAC, which is pretty remarkable. I think that it is remarkable and worth noting that as we move our conversation on facts about PACs towards advocacy and what the incredibly mature and robust program that you're a part of leading at CUNA is able to do, that people understand it's not just Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and the other big financial institutions. Quite obviously, credit unions are a financial system utility that people are using across the board in our country. And, and I just think that that is what probably rings so true to elected members of Congress. Yeah, absolutely. One of the really rewarding things of being able to work on behalf of credit unions is that we've got hundreds of thousands of members per congressional district. So when we're able to go in and, and lobby and make our case through grassroots and our hack activity and political engagement, we're really bringing that kind of grassroots footprint behind it, which makes my job easier for sure. Trey, I think that's just an important point because you all just have an incredibly robust overall political engagement program at CUNA. I think our listeners would be interested to hear what you can share about the ways CUNA and QLAC are engaging beyond just the PAC contributions. Yeah, there's a lot of different things. And obviously, we've been impacted, as everyone has, by the pandemic. Something that we're really leaning into this year is taking advantage of virtual event opportunities. We've had events, including House leadership, lawmakers across the country, uh, different caucuses, different groups, where we've been able, because of the virtual environment, to plug in people via Zoom or Teams events that ordinarily wouldn't be able to come to Washington for a fly-in, per se. So not just the leadership of our member credit unions, but some of our employees and even board volunteer credit unions have volunteer board members. So they've been able to plug in virtually to some of our events. It seems like lawmakers are much more interested in this kind of engagement, Trey, as I talk to other people around the industry, because they are getting in touch and having an opportunity to have a meaningful dialogue with people who are truly their constituents. You all did something with the speaker and chairwoman Waters in a virtual event that sort of went that way. Is that right? Yeah, we pulled together an event with over 100 of our members of credit union advocates from around the country and more than a dozen members of Congress. We were all on Zoom. We were able to interact our leadership with some of the House leadership who are involved in financial services policy. But then also through the wonders of technology, we're able to do breakouts 
through Zoom where we could connect the individual lawmakers with their local constituents in small groups. So it was sort of the, the best of both worlds to be able to showcase sort of the national impact while also connecting constituent advocates with their lawmakers. Yeah, it does seem, Trey, that going forward, we will certainly keep an element of this sort of virtual environment to that point, because we have been able to engage more people from our organizations. You know, CUNA and QLAC are bipartisan in their nature and champions, obviously, of the credit unions at both the state and federal level. And in fact, you all aren't afraid to engage in special elections or open seats and challenger races, which is... Not necessarily how most business organizations operate. Can you tell us about that strategy and the value it extends to your members? I think that's something our listeners would be very interested in learning more about. Yeah, we've taken the approach that our job from the association level on the political program is to find opportunities to engage with policymakers. And if you're not engaged at the electoral level, you're really missing out. You know, I I think so many organizations just look at incumbents as far as their PAC support or engagement. But when you have an open seat or where there's going to be a new lawmaker coming in, no matter what, or even in some cases, if you've got challengers who are maybe better for your industry, we feel it would be a missed opportunity not to engage in that way. So we are very vigorous about trying to look at every single race out there, interview candidates nationally and locally. And then if we can identify someone that we want to support, do everything we can to turn out the vote for that candidate, including, of course, the PAC contribution. But going beyond that, we will engage voters through member communications, advertising, independent expenditures, identifying opportunity races where we have a future champion that if we can engage on the front end and help them get elected, it'll mean that much more as far as the relationship down the line when we're advocating on our various priorities for the industry. You know, Trey, that is something that we talk about in general terms a lot on this show. Employee-funded and trade association PACs advocate for results, not ideology. And when we're connecting the business community with candidates and policymakers through all of the means that you're talking about, it's meaningful relationships, it's a two-way street, and it can be very impactful. And people tend not to remember that spending and contribution limits for PACs that were put in place in 1974 were set at 5000 and they have not increased since that law was passed. So when you factor in inflation, the value of campaign dollars from 1974 have been reduced significantly. We're transparent, and it is one of the things that organizations like CUNA do always to be effective advocates, but not only that. And that is one of the ways that you guys are really more fulsome in your approach. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, not only have the contribution limits not been raised in however many decades, going back over 40 years, but the cost of running campaigns has obviously skyrocketed. So the value of those contributions are relatively less. But there's still something to be said about on the ground engagement. And so that's why we lean in to trying to activate our membership, communicate with them. And as we alluded to earlier, we're fortunate in that we have such a broad footprint in a lot of congressional districts, but every organization and all of your listeners have stakeholders in various places. And if you're not thinking outside of the box about how you can engage them and activate them and educate them about the race and the policies and what it means, then you're really missing an opportunity. 
Clearly, CUNA hasn't been sitting around waiting for four decades for those contribution limits to increase. And so I love that you all have been thinking broader and outside the box and how you can continue to be relevant and have an impact. And as we look through, you know, 2021 certainly has been a more politically divisive time than in any recent memory that I can think of. How is CUNA seeking to build consensus on your issues during this time? It's a challenge that I think everyone in this industry is probably facing, that it, it's probably, it's certainly the most polarized time politically in my lifetime. But at CUNA, we pride ourselves on being bipartisan, but as a means to an end. We want to make sure that we're representing credit unions wherever we were joking in the office the other day, wherever two or three are gathered talking about uh, financial services policy, that's where we should be. That's where we need to be advocating for our membership and our industry and the people we serve. And you have to be able to do that in a, in a bipartisan manner. And that often means trying to educate and bring people together across the board and being able to talk to those on the left, talk to those on the right. And that can be challenging. And certainly our own membership sometimes has diverse viewpoints on Republicans versus Democrats. But the thing that we're always able to bring back is as long as we keep credit unions and our mission and the advocacy priorities we're trying to accomplish so that our, our member credit unions can serve their members and advance their mission, then we're going to be served well and we're, we're going to end up okay. And hopefully do a small part to bring the rest of the country back together on some small level. When you're in this industry, you appreciate that you need to have a North Star. You really have to have something that's guiding you, something principled in value that you are looking to achieve. And that is evident in what you've been sharing with us. I want to turn the conversation as we're wrapping up here with Trey Hawkins from CUNA. You are a fundraiser, Trey. You're a strategist. As we move back to -to face-to-face, how important is it in the end to be back in the room with people? I think it's critical. I think a lot of us have been really successful over the last year, year and a half at adapting to this weird pandemic environment we're in, in the professional setting where we're finding new ways to engage people over Zoom or Microsoft Teams and virtual conferences. And a lot of cool stuff has come out of that. But when you get down to it, fundraising, political engagement, organizing, advocacy, it really is an in-person, face-to-face kind of business. And there's just so much that's lost that can't be done until you get people in the room. From fundraising to engaging and getting people more active and and involved in your programs, you've got to be able to build relationships. And it's just so much easier to do that in person. So I know as we're gearing up toward in-person engagement later in the year with our members, I can be more excited to see some of these faces in person again, set up through the little, little boxes on the screen. Trey, I think that's a really important point. And I know all of us here at NABPAC, we have our mid-year board meeting next week and are looking forward to moving our association back to in-person meetings starting in the fall and obviously into next year. I do think that we're a relationship business and getting back to face-to-face. I think we just all need it right now. I think everybody's ready to to see one another and have some time to catch up and, and hear how the last 16 months have gone. So Trey Hawkins from the Credit Union National Association, thank you so much for being a guest on the Facts About PACs podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks to everyone downloading, subscribing, and sharing the Facts About PACs podcast. We are here to champion the most transparent and regulated form of political giving. And as always, with the amazing professionals who lead their employee-funded and business trade association PACs. We'll be back with another great episode next week.